I've got two uh, two examples or two two subjects to talk about with respect to ketchup branding. Are you are you on board with this, or is this too mundane? Uh, no, I think this this seems like something we would talk about. <laughs> really selling it. <laughs> um, uh, do you want the good one or the bad one first? I think I want the bad one first. All right, you are in for a treat. Okay. So, were you aware? that uh ed sheeran uh michael buble of britain or is he is he irish i don't know who even knows of, of europe let's con- uh europe while it still exists that way right uh he did a collaboration with heinz ketchup where there was a ketchup bottle that uh, there are only 150 made thank god that mimicked his <laughs> uh multiple sleeve tattoos hmm and he agreed to be photographed in a very earnest pose. Again, no concrete proof that this is not actually Ron Weasley. Um, yeah, standing next to his uh, tattooed ketchup bottles. So we should preface this by saying that this evidently was done for charitable purposes. I know. It, it raised money for two different organizations, Rise Against Hunger and the East um, Angelas? Angelas? children's hospices yeah but, but um, it's it's not fun to make it's it, there's no you can't make fun of it if you if you talk about that it was good for a good thing then are oh, you killing me well but i but i think i think there's still i think there can still be some valid questions such as like do we know what the connection between um ed sheeran and ketchup is like is he is he a big ketchup fan i i do not uh ed sheeran is one of those things that's visited upon somebody not something that somebody seeks out and i don't just i don't dislike his music but it's very he's very um he's omnipresent he's kind of you know i'm trying to think of, he he's very like he's very much of the maroon five vertical where that music is just always on whether you want it to be or not so if you ever like it like if you're like me and then you're in your 30s and you only listen to the pandora uh adult contemporary hits station um he there's a lot of ed sheeran in there well, so he also does, um, as they say in the business, a lot of collaborations. So I think that sort of gets his name out there a bunch, too. Uh, I, who else? Let's Google Ed Sheeran collab, because that's how people say it. Mm, yeah, I'm not cool enough to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these are all musical collaborations. Yeah. Well, that's that, what other kind of collaborations would I be referring to? Not his, not his ketchup ones, his musical ones. <laughs> I thought you meant he was like big on like product branding. Like he he had a thing with French's and like Maruchan ramen, like stuff like that. He's no uh, Scott Brothers or anything. Scott Brothers, the Property Brothers. Oh, do they have a lot of? Do they have like a special like branded thing of like duct tape or something? Oh my gosh, they do they? Like, Wait, holy shit, do they? No, it's it's like every other commercial. It feels like that I see. And granted, you know, we watch a fair bit of HGTV, so that probably has a lot to do with it, but. They're, they're commercials that are not advertising their shows. It's the various products and services they're affiliated with. They were even in a Super Bowl commercial uh, for ADT uh, because they they sponsor that home security system. Yeah, that's, that's too much commingling. Yeah, going back to some, I'm, I'm uh, hopefully you can edit out all that stuff about the about this being for a good cause. But I don't know. It it, it see. <laughs> 
Because I because like like most things, I I gave a very much a Nate Silver hot take without doing the requisite research. No, no, uh, no. I think I think I think it's fine. I I I think again, there are plenty of um, questions that can be raised about this. But yeah. I just do you, you know. do, do you remember the uh, that uh, trash can Mac Pro uh, that was all red for product red that they auctioned off and it went for a lot of money? What's well, a computer? That's pretty good. <laughs> Golf clap to you. All right, and then the other. Yeah, give me the give me so give me the good one. Give me the good one. Uh, so this is from uh, Heinz Canada. Um, and again, I, w- I will preface this, or I will I will give the disclaimer that I don't actually very much like ketchup. I think you have to if you have to put ketchup on most things, it's a bad thing. Don't the Canadians put ketchup on like potato chips or something? We we covered this, and this was groundbreaking news for you. Like uh, when I was giving my patio chip uh, recommendation from Trader Joe's, you were like, "What what the hell are ketchup chips?" And yeah, they're they're big in uh, Drake Country, the Toronto, uh, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario is kind of ground zero for ketchup chips. Don't ever refer to that as Drake Country again. Uh, do you have some allegiance to Ontario, the Ontario province of Canada? No, but they just they seem like nice people, and, <laughs> and Drake is not a nice person. I think it's part of God's plan. <laughs> That's very funny if you know Drake's music, which I think most people are forced to um so yeah so i always like uh, but i always like whenever um branding efforts try to be t- uh, like too cute by half and even though i don't necessarily like ketchup um i think this is kind of cool uh it's it's um a label on a uh classic heinz 57 uh ketchup bottle that is angled exactly the way that you would um when you're pouring ketchup out i thought this was cute huh. and and, it, and it's very catching on a store shelf but it's not um like it's not in the like Mountain Dew vein or like Doritos vein of um like wacky marketing where it's like MTM Dew code red or something. It's just something like, hey, here's something we're doing and it's kinda it's a little bit cute, but it's not. It's it's still the classic product. Yeah, okay. I, I approve of this. Yeah. But do do we know is is this for a charitable cause or no? Or is this this is just marketing? I think it's just I think it's just marketing. Was okay. Heinz who was the first who was the first one to because you remember when there was that revolution like 15 years ago where somebody was like, hey, let's redesign the bottle where uh, the squeezer or not the squeezer thing, like the dispenser part is at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was that was big. That was like uh, when the iPhone came. That was the iPhone of ketchup bottles. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, ketchup guys aren't just going to come in uh, or walk in. What was the, the dumb palm quote? PC guys aren't just going to walk in and figure it out. Right. So just adapt that to ketchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's really hot. I can't think. So any 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 dumb statements I make, that's that's my my get out of jail free card. I think <laughs> is that fair? Is that does that hold up? I think that holds up. Yeah, that prevents me from getting canceled. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, what else was there? I think there were a couple other things. Um, yeah, so we'll do one other food thing because we don't have a lot of, to talk about, and it's gonna be uh, it's it's very warm outside. So I think it's gonna be a very short episode. Uh, this is one I did not get to. What do you, what do you mean? We don't have a lot. To, we have a ton to talk about. Because I'm because I'm because I'm going to hack. I'm going to hack into the Squarespace and cut out 45 minutes of you saying green is pretty. So <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm going to do uh, the listenership a favor. So uh, real quick, there's this. Uh, this was a viral tweet a couple of days ago, and because I don't use the um, the uh, what's it called the, the chronological chronological timeline, the Twitter. Yeah, because I, I since I only use Twitter five five minutes a day, I rely on the web version that does like the algorithmic curated tweets. So I, I see all like the viral stuff first, which is I actually think is is fine. 
Anyway, somebody has a, a little table full of bite-sized candies, and it says uh, one has to go forever. Uh, so which uh, th- the options are Snickers, Reese's, uh, plain milk chocolate M&M's, Kit Kat, Twix, and Milky Way. What's, what's your pick? Yes, yeah, so this is kind of um, like the classic variety bag that you can get from like Costco or a grocery store for Halloween, which somehow we're, we've like entered into Halloween time. I was walking the dog this evening and like people have their Halloween decorations and stuff up. Yeah. And of course it was like 95 degrees outside. It was very, very strange. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would, I would say, actually, this is a fairly easy choice for me. I think I know I would say Kit Kat. Oh, you, wow. This, this was, that was an old, that, that's a switcheroo because that's the wrong choice, but no, Kit Kats, Kit Kats are, they're, they're too dry, and there's just there's just not a lot going on with them. Oh, hmm. I respectfully disagree. Uh, Kit Kats, uh, room temperature Kit Kats, not a lot going on. Ag- agreed. Freeze a Kit Kat uh, makes it way better. Thank but you, it's but not- you freeze you freeze most like cookies and candies and stuff. You're in for a good time. Yeah, you freeze a Twix. That's a that's a dental emergency visit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, known from experience. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah but Kit Kats are still decent at room temperature i think like the obvious choice for most people is gonna be milky way because what even is that um oh, but, but milky ways are good though they're not though but i'm gonna give a contrarian pick well I, i'm gonna give the right answer you're but gonna give if, the, the nate silver pick a little bit i'm gonna give the right answer but most people are gonna disagree with it and that is the m&ms because regular m&ms are gross peanut m&ms are delicious but regular m&ms feel like a vestige of the 1940s before we figured out food technology. So if if you forced me to make a second choice, the the chocolate M&Ms would be number two. Because I, I don't disagree. I actually um, enjoy M&Ms quite a bit, but you're right. I, I don't usually prefer the plain ones. I like peanut butter. I like peanut. You, you, uh, oh, speak my language. Thank you. Because that, that is the correct order. It's peanut butter, then peanut. And then sometimes they have those gimmicky flavors. Well, I was going to say, they so they do the Oreo thing where mm. they're always coming out with kind of gimmicky flavors, which, I mean, Carlos, you know, as <laughs> as chronicled in last week's episode about my uh, overnight pumpkin brewed cold brew thing, <laughs> I, I like novel uh, flavored things. So I appreciate when M&M's comes out with the... They, They've got one now. I, I haven't been brave enough to try this, but it's like a jalapeno flavored M and M. Like, well, because that could actually be decent. Because, like, if you get, um, like, you just like kind of like spicy cocktails kind of exist. I know, I know, we've had the discussion where you're very anti mezcal and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the, like, but the spicy chocolate is actually generally good. Yeah, agree to disagree there. Well, so well then, putting you on the spot, uh, milk chocolate versus dark chocolate. Not getting oh. picky. Milk, milk chocolate, 100%. Gross. So wrong. No, dark chocolate's too bitter. Dark chocolate is the right amount of bitterness. No, you're you're somebody who likes, who likes uh, glaring at the neighbor kids with your, with your scotch and brandy in your hand. One in each. Yeah, that's, that's a different kind of bitterness. Hmm. All right. So, yeah. So, the correct answer to this question is... Uh, actually, you know what? Milky Way is not good, but M&Ms uh, deserve to be banished for their mediocrity and squandered potential. Uh, one one final note on this mm-hmm. uh, pro tip with M and M's. If you ever come across <laughs> the uh, caramel M and M's, they're they're one of the new kind of novel flavors mm-hmm. that are out there now. Very good. Next time you're in a Walgreens, look for those. Yeah. 
Chocolate M&Ms are the, um, like the Beto O'Rourke of candy. <laughs> All right. Um, well, now that, I mean, we can't take you seriously with any of this now that you've pledged your allegiance to a certain candidate. Oh, and we do, can I call? You're, can just I, a, you're just a political hack now. Oh, yeah, because I have political biases. Can I go call up my, how do I, how do you dial the Ukraine? <laughs> um, I felt a little forced, but I'll give it to you. What, what you can edit it out what's the country code for ukraine whatever you want <laughs> uh whatever sounds more natural um this was a good episode of 538 this week that is the only upside of, of a crumbling like we talked about this offline um offline online where uh the only good part of a crumbling democracy is uh, all the emergency pods uh all right what else do i have i think that's it let's let's uh, head over let's mosey over to the dock all right um is there any I, I i think we could lump all the apple stuff together is there anything that's not apple related this week at all oh well actually you know what hold on let's can we get good and angry about something it was <laughs> yeah but not about the apple stuff well you're i, I think i think you're gonna be a <laughs> that's that's mean i was gonna say i think you're gonna be a renee richie <laughs> about midnight green a little bit <laughs> Because I do think you're so excited about Green, where you're going to basically do um, like an, a Billy Mays infomercial where like you're an unpaid PR representative for Apple because you're just so excited about Green. No, but I, I've I've got some I've got some negative hot takes about the new phone. Okay, but so let's let's do one non-Apple thing because it's going to be the Apple show, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, actually, so I left my cursor has left the uh, Salesforce park, so <laughs> I'm over here in uh, TiVo. Mm. yeah this is this i i can't believe this uh from the verge and you can put this in the show notes tivo confirms it is its customers will soon see ads before dvr recordings and it's going to roll out over the next three months i think even if you're somebody who is on the old non-hydra interface it is still going to roll out to you i assume they planted that code in there a while ago for whenever they needed a lifeline for it um so yeah, on DVR uh, DVR recordings on a box that people purchased explicitly to avoid advertising because I, I think maybe a couple people are doing it to like maybe time shift like live events. Um, but also the byproduct of that is to build up a buffer to skip ads. Uh, they are now going to do their own advertising that they sell uh, in front of your recordings. So two thoughts on this. The first is the obvious one. This is a super big bummer i hate i hate everything about this second thing though and i feel like we've talked a lot about this on the show in the past where especially with the more recent versions of tivo with things like skip mode Mm -hmm. it's really felt like tivo's reached a place where it's basically too good to be true because for me when you pair skip mode with the mobile device stuff where you can download shows from your TiVo directly to your mobile device. Um, and like the huge amounts of storage they come with, like everything about them just in our kind of restricted modern TV landscape where like everything lives in these tightly controlled apps. Um, and I guess like download viewing has starting to be gotten a little bit better, but still in large parts, of streaming services is, is not available. TiVo just felt like kind of this thing that was, yeah, again, too good to be true. And 
I think, unfortunately, this is sort of um, an inevitable correction to bringing TiVo down to probably kind of where just the rest of the industry is. I I, I get that, but I'm going to disagree with pretty much all of it. Cause, because I guess the, the, the holdover, because like your point is actually really valid and makes a lot of sense. But I think the difference is that um, TiVo, what used to be called TiVo to go, uh, which is um, before there was like iOS and there was an app download, like used to have a thing where you could download an, a, a program on, on your Windows PC or a Mac called TiVo desktop and uh, non uh, like, cause there was something called an HDCP cont- copyright flag. And this was a controversy a long time ago, back in the early days of TiVo where a, um, a channel like HBO could say, no, you, you can't download this show. And I actually think that actually still applies to the iOS app where some, a, a small number of shows are not downloadable through that method because of that copyright flag. But that's existed for a very long time, like at least a decade before the um, like all these content silos and like network specific TV apps existed. So while I think you're absolutely right that that's a um, that's like a beneficial byproduct of it now, that's not re- that feature on TiVo hasn't actually gotten much better, and it's kind of existed in the same way it has for a decade before it was that. So I guess maybe that's where I I don't give them too much credit on that. And the part where you say it's going to be coming back to reality, it's and that's the part that feels way sketchier about it. Because no, TiVo is still fucking everybody by blocking everybody else's ads. So the ads that Clorox is paying NBC to run during uh, whatever is on NBC, uh, Saturday Night Live, like all of that stuff is still getting skipped during skip mode. TiVo is trying to basically put their own ads on top of something that they're already blocking. It's like it's like if somebody. And actually, in San Francisco, I don't put this past somebody where like somebody would say, let's cover up um, like Muni billboards or like uh, like bus shelter um, ad space and try to sell our own over it. But we're doing you a service like they're just covering up somebody else's ads with ads that they sell like that feels even way sketchier. Like if, if things were coming back to reality, it feels like, no, they would have gotten sued or they would have worked a deal where. NBC says, like, the, the more logical version of this thing is, like, NBC said, hey, no, we're going to do a revenue sharing agreement where if you make all of our shows ineligible for skip mode, we'll, like, pay you some money. Like, that feels like much more of a middle ground where here they're still screwing over all the people paying for advertising through specific channels. And TiVo is trying to kind of, like, do an Apple. Like, they're trying to create a market where it didn't exist because they're trying to rewrite the the rules of the game. And also, this feels like the last ditch effort of a of a dead company i guess is my really cynical take on it no i think i think everything you said there is spot on well and here's the other bad part of or bummer about it is that tivo was about to like it's still gonna happen i think it's either this month or next month they're gonna release a brand new product called tivo edge which i don't know if it's gonna be like a funky shaped box actually no dave 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 zatz has the scoop is it regular it's not yeah oh it looks like a ps4 it's got kind of that stacked look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is totally screwing over that product launch because now all anybody could talk about is, oh, I'm going to pay you $13 a month for guide info and you're also going to serve me ads and then insert obscene hand gestures. Like, I mean, like that's, that's not how it works. So two, two more points uh, just to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Mm-hmm. 
the ad is skippable. Although I'll bet you that it is not skip mode eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, sec- the second thing, which I think is the bigger point here, is while this totally sucks, we're in 100% agreement there. My question still remains the same as it's been for a while with TiVo, which is, if not TiVo, like, what are you going to switch to? Nothing. I have been the world's most anti-cord cutting person on the planet. Like people can listen to like I, I have been much like uh, our president is a climate change uh, skeptic. I like how they, the New York Times tries to make that sound like, oh, yeah, he's, he's just he's waiting for the science to come in. Like, no, I, I have been somebody who's denied that cord cutting is actually happening. And I think it actually is happening like to, to a major degree over the past couple of years. And I'm going to join them. Like if if TiVo was the one thing that made cable TV tolerable and over the past year, even before this type, like even though like the Hydra interface kind of sucks and like TiVo is like no matter how many times they try to remake it into like maybe kind of like more of a multi-purpose streaming box, all of the apps on it stink. Like would do you ever use any apps on your TiVo or do you bump into Apple TV? I just bump into Apple TV. Yeah. Like it, it it's not good at anything. And just as more TV goes, like as as more of like the stuff I watch becomes not on cable, like it's either on Netflix or Amazon Prime or it's on HBO, in which case I don't need to watch like channel 801. I'll just go to the HBO Now app. Like I, I, I use TiVo so little now. So if now like if like the one thing that I watch regularly that is on cable and not on an app is Better Call Saul. And honestly... I can wait for that to fall off the back of a truck. Like I'm not going to pay 13 or $15 a month to tea. Like it's just on principle. Like I don't, I have no idea why this makes me so irrationally upset. Well, actually, I do. It's because it's because they're trying to, they're just trying to skim money off. Like they're not doing anything. There's like, you know what? We need revenue. So it's basically just like those websites where like there's like 8,000 different, like there's a thing at the bottom where it's like, oh, you, you you'll never guess how this celebrity aged or so. It's like you're you're just gumming up everything just to make a quick buck, and it, you're not doing your best work. I I don't know. It's it's just ridiculous. So yeah. So um, once this rolls out, I'm gonna cancel cable and I'll figure out a way to watch the Giants, or I'll just stop watching baseball. Like I just that's it. Like because what do what do you because what do you still um. Because it sounds like you actually, whenever you travel, like you are actually like maybe like building up a queue of offline stuff. So like, what are you watching that's not uh, available either as an over the top thing or like on streaming? So with like HDTV as an example or Food Network too, because I guess those are probably like the two main channels that the lady friend and I watch that are not live sports, which which let's come back to that. I don't think either of those channels is available through some over the top service. Like they both have, you know, things like Apple TV apps, but they require a cable login. And I don't know if they're included with like the any of like the PlayStation View services or anything like that. It is if you have YouTube TV or like or like those things. So it is. But also at that point, you could also just cancel TiVo and just only use the Xfinity Stream app and just have like the cable login. Well, but I mean the. But then the, at the point, why why wouldn't you just take like the free X1 box that Comcast will give you? Because like if because if, t- if, if t- 
if, if TiVo gets shitty, like, I mean, how, but how is TiVo any better? It's, I, I, I mean, I feel like this has come up somewhat recently on the show. I, I've used one of those X1 boxes and it was a couple years ago, so maybe it's gotten better since then, but it was so god awful slow. The interface made no sense. It was just a really, really poor experience. It sounds like you're describing TiVo. Like the Hydra thing, the Hydra thing is slow up until the most recent update, it, which it became more tolerable. Like maybe it's different that you have the Bolt and I've got the Romeo Pro, but like it's it's sluggish. The interface makes no sense. Like I mean, maybe it's just a holdover of I I've had a TiVo for 15 years and then they changed everything of how it works. But like it's not that great anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's not. I'm not watching enough TV where I'm like super in tune to how the interface works, but. Like it feels like it, the the TiVo interface is like super replacement level right now to bring up like a sports analogy. No, I, I yeah, I actually quite like it, especially after the most recent update, and I I don't find that it runs poorly. And yeah, maybe that is because I have a newer uh, version of TiVo than you. Uh, but yeah, coming back to the live sports thing, I mean that's the other huge thing for both me and the lady friend. I mean we we watch quite a bit of live sports like together we watch a ton of hockey and then like more so with me i still watch quite a bit of basketball um and you know some some football well the um, nbc sports bay area has their app and so does espn plus and doesn't tnt so kind of doesn't everybody i know like i know that like the app silos thing is kind of annoying but well so here so so um I, I, all my thoughts are coming in twos tonight um but so a <laughs> couple thoughts the minor minor one and then a, a bigger one Minor one is, and this is a very like nerdy thing, but the video quality of all these different streaming services, especially when it comes to live sports, is very inconsistent. Some of them come with very low frame rates, which really bothers me. Like, and that's the biggest problem I have with like the NBA League Pass app is the the resolution's pretty good, but the frame rate's really low, and it ends up just looking really weird to me. And that's I find that to be the case across a lot of these like live streaming services. Um, but the much bigger issue, I think, is I would be really curious for you to sit down and price this out. Because this is like the thing that we keep coming back to with the cord cutting thing is at the end of the day you're probably going to end up paying just as much as you are now. And you're probably going to have at least one or two things that you would have had with cable that you're not going to have with your new setup. Cause I, I mean, honestly, like with everything you're describing, like once you factor in, cause you, you know, your internet price is going to go way up. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I, I think you're right. But, but even if I do this in the most bare, if, if it's just because I'm angry at TiVo, like I can just go get either the non DVR, um, comcast box or an x1 box and they'll give it to you for basically free like because i don't if it, like i totally get your point because actually that was a good like because you during the playoffs i think you convinced me to watch some of the some of the sharks games and you are totally right where it feels like i don't know like what even what frame rate it is it's not like the usual 29.97 ntsc hd standard it's like 20 like it's it's missing something where it does look weird yeah but yeah. the annoying part is that the yeah the resolution is actually better, so the clarity of the picture is nicer, but the motion looks wrong. It's not it's not compressed to hell like it is over cable, but at least you know through cable, yeah the the motion looks right. It's yeah. like it's like reverse. It's like the reverse motion smoothing thing. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I could also just use I could just use Comcast Box and avoid paying uh, TiVo fifteen dollars a month for the privilege of getting guide info and pre roll ads. Well, I guess that that would be another thing I would just be curious for you to do is sit down and actually use one of those X One boxes because, again, from what I remember, they're really bad. It's not that bad. Um, I've I've used one recently ish, um, and it's it's fine. Like I get it, and a lot of this is probably just out of like um, like just rage. That's probably the wrong word for something that's very very minor. But this is just a, fuck you, TiVo. Like that's. Like, because this, how much money can you be possible? How many subscribers can TiVo possibly have? Like, that's the other thing. Like, who has a TiVo other than us? It's, it's really funny because, I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't come up in conversation a ton, but every once in a while, for whatever reason, I'll bring up the fact that I have a TiVo. And it's, the reaction <laughs> is always the same. It's, it's something to the effect of, oh, those guys are still around. Or like, oh, that's still a thing? Because you'll remember in the like the mid-2000s, a TiVo became a verb, but then cable companies were like, fuck this, well, let's make our own. Right. And TiVo, it's, it, beca- it became Kleenexified. So like it is that the idea of a concept uh, of a DVR became just as, like, as, as um, meaningless as the concept of a smartphone. But like who still has a TiVo? You have to be like somebody like us or like John Syracuse where like, you ha- you are very picky, and it's a very specific thing. And like, just I guess that's where like who even cares at this point? Because how much money? Like, how what are what's the quality of the ads going to be? Because like, you remember the, like, I, I this was a few years ago, but you you told a story that has, has has rung true many times whenever I'm trying to catch up on a show on like an over the top service where it's just like the same mediocre ad. And if you're trying to catch up on an entire season, you're just like, I don't. Because I was I was watching Veronica Mars in the background on Hulu because they're like, oh hey, we acquired the rights to this show that I I liked when I was nineteen, and I'm watching it like it's it's great, but there's um most like every fourth ad was for the Microsoft Surface Book, and it's a really dumb ad because the uh, the kid on it is his name is Mackenzie Book, and as you can think of where this is going, they're like MacBook says get a Surface, it's the dumbest ad in the world. And it's every fourth ad on Hulu. <laughs> and because I'm too cheap to pay for it, because Hulu is it's included in my Spotify subscription, and I don't actually care enough about this TV show to pay $13 a month for it, I'm seeing this stupid Microsoft ad every 13 minutes. And I, that's where I think TiVo's not, they're not really in the best market position, and they're not going to get top-tier advertisers. You're not going to get like... um John Slattery, the voice of Lincoln, like there's or what's his name, Matthew McConaughey. Like there's not going to be prestige ads on this. It's going to be really dumb stuff. It's going to be like ads for Simply Safe and some to be like podcast ad level shit. Maybe it'll be for that uh, Canadian Heinz bottle. Thank you for getting us out of this stuff. <laughs> Forty minutes later, can we keep hating on M and M's? Um. Yeah, I could go for some peanut butter M&M's right now. Um, peanut butter M&M's versus Reese's Pieces. Because mm. they're that's different. Cl- that, that, that's close. Yeah, that's close. Probably peanut butter M&M's, but it's close. Yeah, the consistency is different. Yeah. Yes, right. All right, do you want to talk about some Apple nonsense? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Phone or a watch first? Well, I, I got angry for a while, so let's talk about the phone. Let's talk about your green phone. And I'm just going to mute for a while. Well, no, I... 
I was actually going the other way. I, I'm dying to hear because you're you're coming in hot, and we're not talking about the current temperature here. You're coming in hot with <laughs> so with dumb. the ta- with the takes on this new Apple Watch and Watch OS six. And well, I really let's let's, let's have because I just I just spent. T- 40 minutes complaining about TiVo in a very angry way. Uh, let's have you talk about your green phone first. Okay. And then and then I will complain about night mode, and then I'll complain about the Apple Watch, and we'll, it'll all work out. So say all your positive stuff about your green phone and your love for the new Apple Clear case, because mm. Apple can... Because <laughs> Apple... Because hashtag only Apple can make a uh, clear piece of plastic that is somehow worse than everything. Oh, Please it's continue. so bad. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the good stuff first because we've been super negative and I don't want to lose sponsors. All right. So got got this new iPhone on Friday. Um, I guess actually, but even before I get into how much I love the color, uh, we should kind of steal a segment from Upgrade because that's kind of what we do like, here. <laughs> the first time. We've never done that before. <laughs> um, and talk a little bit about the setup process. Sure. Because I think there are probably about 27 different ways you can set up a new iphone now you know you've got your uh, itunes backup which is kind of the legacy way of doing it um you've got your icloud backup you've got a direct transfer method now which is kind of new i think starting in ios 12.4 and above where you can either create like a little wi-fi connection between two iphones or actually even directly plug them into one another and do it over a cable um you can of course just set it up as a brand new phone and then download you kind of you know individual pieces through iCloud like if you have um iMessage in the cloud and obviously like iCloud photo library things like that um but then you know the setup process becomes even a little bit more complicated when you also factor in getting a new watch on the same day and wanting to set up that new watch so i think i came up with a pretty good method for how to set up both a new phone and new watch at the same time. And it's a, it's a fairly simple process. So it's you first unpair your current Apple Watch from your current iPhone because unpairing your current Apple Watch sort of does two things. One is it removes the cellular plan from your current apple watch it doesn't cancel that plan with your carrier but it, it removes the service from the watch itself and it makes a backup of your watch um, so then once that's done you can make a backup uh, of your iphone which will then also include that backup of the watch and you can kind of do that over itunes or over icloud I've kind of gone back and forth between the two over the last few years, and the the experience is very similar between both, I find. Like, the amount of time it takes to restore a backup is about the same. Because iCloud backups are encrypted now, you get basically all the same data, assuming that you also encrypt your iTunes backup. So, you know, it's kind of just whatever you prefer. If you have a good Wi-Fi connection and you already are up to date on your iCloud backups, that's probably the way to go. If you haven't backed up to iCloud in a while, or if you don't have as reliable of an internet connection, maybe the iTunes backup is the way to go. But but either way, the experience is roughly the same. So you'll restore that backup either through iTunes or iCloud on your new phone. And then once that's kind of 
um, at the point where it's doing things like downloading your photos and that kind of stuff, you can then set up your new watch on your new phone. And during that process, you have the option of restoring from that backup that you made by unpairing your old watch and then also like uh, restoring your uh, cellular plan. So I think that's my kind of official new phone and new watch setup method. And that's what I did on Friday. And it all worked pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Seems fair. I, 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 I'm sorry. You may have actually said this, but did in the setup process, does it now, is it for somebody who isn't in the know, is there a way that the phone tells you what to do with your watch beforehand? Where like you don't get caught in this thing of like, you're not really sure how to get it to talk to the new phone. So my, so my understanding is an alternative way of doing this, which would be probably the um, kind of less nerdy way to do it, is if you do the um, direct transfer method. So th- the way that that works is actually fairly clever, where if you have your old phone near your new phone and you turn your new phone on, your new phone will actually detect that there's another iPhone close to it. And it will prompt you to, to you know, say, hey, like, hey, do you want to transfer your data from this old phone to your new phone? And if you say yes, it will give you the option of doing a direct transfer like I just described a minute ago, or it'll actually give you another option where it'll just transfer over like some credentials like to your Wi-Fi and I think like your Apple ID and things like that. Well, actually maybe not your Apple ID, but some, some like low level settings. And then you can also then just restore from an iCloud backup. But as part of that process as well, if you have an Apple watch connected to your old iPhone, it will prompt you and ask, Oh, and by the way, do you want to transfer this watch to your new phone? And there would be no harm in doing that because, you know, then you could go through the process of setting up your new watch on your new phone um, and also unpair your <laughs> old watch from your new phone kind of at the same time because I think there's a process for that as well. Um, but in my mind, it just it made sense just to kind of not even bother transferring over my old watch to the new phone. I think that makes more sense, or at least because it, it uh, the way you're framing it makes more sense. Because in the past, it never unpairing the watch, it just like phrasing wise, never made sense. But if it, if you're saying that the phone tells you in order to transfer the watch, that actually sounds correct. Yeah, I think that's where most people got stuck because they're like, oh, you didn't unpair your old watch. Well, like that that doesn't sound like a logical part of the step. All right, so you see, so you're you're all ready to go. You have your shiny, gigantic, green phone. Yes. Okay. Let, let's do the green thing. Um, it's it's really really nice, and I I think my general take on it is basically the same take that like everybody else has, which is it's an extremely subtle green that in low light basically just looks gray, but in brighter light you do get a little bit more of that green. And I that's actually to me the strongest selling point on it is it's not overly bright in your face it's a very subtle nice deep shade of green so i th- i think it's it's really really nice it's very unique so a, a quick uh personal rationalization of this real quick so i think you're mostly right i'm coming around to the green and whenever i do get my phone it probably will be green because have you been to an apple store recently or have you had a chance to see the other colors in person 
I have not yet, no. So, well, then I guess, so I'll give a quick summary, but you can kind of like, so I want to know about the matte finish, because that's the other part about this, where you have the you have the new midnight green color now, and then you have the classic colors, which is the space gray, the white, and the gold. Um, and on the new phones, you have, it's kind of a two-tone thing where the camera square has a glossy finish to it along with the flash and the three camera lenses. And then the actual back of the phone itself, where you see most of the color, um, because people were saying that the, that the band was, um, uh, like the stainless steel band was actually green. And I like, I can't see that. Maybe, maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention, but I can't tell that it's any different than what the space gray phone looks like. No, the band looks black to me. Yeah, I think because I think on upgrade they said something like that. I'm like, no, that the the band is exactly the same as the space gray. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but the matte finish on it, it's it's weird. Where the space gray looks very different. So I think like with this generation, the white looks better than it did in the past. Like in the old times, the old times. Sorry, in the ten or the ten S generation, the white looked kind of like this weird, like dirty dishwater white. And it, it it wasn't quite silver and it wasn't bright white. It was just weird. The new one looks better, uh, but it's still a matte finish. So it, it like it had like has this kind of like sheen to it that's a little funky. And gold looks like whatever. It does have a, it's it's a bit more pink than it is gold. And the the space gray looks way worse. Where it's if it looks lighter, and because of the way the matte finish catches the light, I don't think it looks as good. So that's why I, I kind of feel like I'm probably going to get green because it's going to be in a case anyway and nobody will see it because I'm not going to get a clear case. Hasn't it Hasn't it always been the case? And I feel like there was a good tweet or maybe an article on this like last year or the year before where every year of space gray, the shade of gray is slightly different. That That is absolutely true. Because yeah, space gray, like when you track it from when it came out originally, was was it called space gray on the original 5 or was 5S the first time they said space gray? I believe the first time they offered a gray color, so whatever generation that was, they, yes, they initially referred to it as space gray, and that's stuck since the beginning. So yeah, it's definitely different, but that's where, yeah, I think the green kind of maybe looks the best out of all of them, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I really, it's a, I think it's a bummer that they didn't go full 10, like they didn't ad- adapt the 10R colors for the Pro, because I, I, like, I have the, the product red iPhone 8. And I love just like that bright, rich red color where it's not pastel. It's just nice. And that will, that doesn't exist on the pro line where like, yeah, the midnight green is actually, it's, I don't love green and I don't actually love the shade of green, but of the four, I actually will, I've come around. It does look the best. Well, I, I accept your apology. Won't go that far, but, <laughs> um, but then I, th- I think the only other thing that's really worthwhile talking about with this phone, at least on the positive side of things, is is the camera. Um, again, I'm not coming at this with any kind of hot original take. I mean, the, the camera system is it's it's really really good. Um, I took my phone to the beach uh, on a family trip this past weekend, and um, kind of made an effort to try out all the different kinds of, uh, lenses, um, and features. Um, and it's, I mean, across the board, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. The, uh, video quality, um, so I've always been someone that shoots in 4k 60. And now that that supports HDR, that looks even better than before. Um, 
you know, portrait mode, I think continues to, to make a lot of positive steps. Um, the only thing that's going to take a lot of getting used to is that ultra wide angle lens. I don't think you need to, people shouldn't be using that lens for most things. Well, that that's the thing, right? Is used not in the correct setting. You really do just get that big fisheye effect like you do with, you know, like a GoPro camera or something. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's a cool effect, but it doesn't really make the photo look better. It just makes it look different. Yeah. Like, like stylistically, if that's what you're going for, cool. And certain landscape or interior shots might like where that distorted perspective would look cool with a, like a super ultra wide angle lens. Like that's neat. But I think most people who ever would turn that on and aren't making a conscious choice to do so, it makes the picture look decidedly worse. Right. Um, and then of course the other feature, which I didn't use at the beach, but, but used, uh, throughout the weekend as well is night mode. Mm. Um, which, you know, it, it does, it does what's advertised. It makes dark photos look brighter. Um, and I, I think the, the results that I've seen so far are, it's very hit or miss. Some, some I think, like I, I sent you that photo from our favorite restaurant, Pico, the other night. Um, and I actually think that ended up coming out pretty well. It did, yeah. Um, but then, like, I sent you a picture of Branson a couple nights before that. And it kind of just looked like there was, like, a, like a big spotlight on him, which was, yep. which was kind of a strange effect. So I, it, it just, it, um, it just really depends on shot to shot what the results of that end up being. Yeah, like this is a feature I'm going to hate on a lot, and it maybe it, it just it, the, the you were absolutely right. Where like the the in and a lot of people have been posting like three different kinds of shots, where it's either like here we were in a dark restaurant, oh here's what happened, and I'm like that's great. People will do the hey I was outside and it was dark and look how bright it made everything, and those generally look bad. Because it that's not what the scene looked like. And then people also do the ones where they're like, look, the, like if I took a picture with my regular camera, most of the scene was entirely black. And now it looks like it's daytime. Like the latter two are not right. Like, like, the, sh like a shore, it's neat that it's, it's doing like smart long exposure and it's capturing a bunch of light to make something. But in terms of the photo looking like what, you were taking a picture of like i don't i don't necessarily get that part but the like inside a restaurant thing um is really smart like the pico thing that you like the lighting can a lot of times just not be what you want it to be and uh, smartly capturing the light and also applying that long exposure stuff in a selective way to highlight certain parts of the frame which is what night mode is doing actually looks really 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 good but then, yeah, there's just all these examples where people are like, L look at how you can see the stars and how this stuff is super, like, where it looks like it's almost daytime. Like, that's not a good photograph. Like, so I, I, I fear it's one of those features where people are going to use it like portrait mode, where they're just going to be like, oh, look what this can do. But if not used in situations where it best highlights that functionality, it's just going to lead to a lot of shitty pictures. I don't know. I know. I, th I think that's right. Um, and I just sent you a link to something I bought today. 
Um, oh, the glyph is the best. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things, I don't know if they actually talked about this on stage or if this is something that sort of people just figured out after the event, but one kind of neat thing that night mode does is it can detect whether your phone using like the gyroscopes, whether your phone is being just held by hand or whether it's in a tripod. And if it's in a tripod, it will actually give you the option of doing up to a 28 second exposure in night mode. Whereas if it's in handheld mode, I think the max is like three seconds or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I don't really have any like high expectations or anything as to what this is going to do, but I'm just really, really curious to try it out. Cause I, I actually do really think that, um, like low light, long exposure photography is, is really interesting. And if done correctly can actually turn out really, really well and be something super unique. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I bought this little glyph thing as so I have, I already have a tripod. Um, and so I, I want to try. I want to try some of the um, the long exposure stuff. Got it. Well, good. Yeah, that's that that is a neat thing because well, but that's like yeah, if it's an intentional choice, if you're just trying to turn, uh, or if a user is trying to just turn some random scene into something that looks like broad daylight, that's a bad use of the technology. But yeah, if you want to like do light trails, or if you want to go just try to do something stylistically really neat by a long exposure, that's awesome. And like, and there's been apps like Halide and Procam, and there's a whole bunch. There's been a whole bunch of apps that have done this for a while, but it's just kind of now that Google and Apple have done it um, in a really accessible way, where it's probably going to lead to a lot of people who aren't like approaching it with like a certain intentionality of style. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think the two good ways to use it are going to be like just what you said, where if if you're going for some kind of certain effect or style, um, and then the other thing that um, it's, it's really good at what you talked about earlier. And then I brought up with the Pico example is a situation where the lighting is there's, there's decent lighting, but it's just, it's not quite as bright as you'd want it to be. And I think night mode does a decent job of sort of just amplifying that existing light just enough to make the shot look a little bit better. Yeah, so that's that's the part I'm excited about because it, it looks neat. And again, like I don't want to take away the, from the fact that it's um, a really smart achievement because it's it's it is better. Because I'm not even approaching this from like the like the uh, like oh like this is like a purist thing where photography is this type of thing. Because it is like if you compare like if you're using like a fancy camera or like like a, a nice high end mirrorless camera and you were doing a long exposure and you compared like a three second exposure that you were doing on an iPhone compared to this, the iPhone one would generally look much better because it's being much more smart about because like that picture of branson that you sent me like i assume he was not one million percent perfectly still for three full seconds that was actually fairly late in the evening and he was tired so he actually was pretty still there but there's a lot of times where it feels like it is able to smartly capture that additional light and exposure data and not create a blurry photo where with a fancier camera, you're you're going to get a much different effect, and in a lot of cases, it might be worse. But um, so I don't I don't want to discount what the iPhone is doing. I just feel like the ease of being able to do it is going to lead to a lot of crappy photographs. Right. I think the analogy to the early days of portrait mode is a good one. Yeah. Oh, sporty. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so much floof. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, I guess, a couple of other quick notes before I get into the real negative thing here. Um, Wait, just single thing. 
do you have just one bee in your bonnet that's not the case? No, no, it, it's the case. Okay. Um, I, I think the screen actually looks looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really, really hard on the OLED screens. I did not care for the screen on either my iPhone 10 or 10s. I think the screen on the iPhone 11 Pro looks really good. Uh, I don't find it to be too warm like I have with those two previous phones. It seems like the viewing angles are maybe a little bit better. Like you get a little bit less of that effect where the screen starts to look really blue as you look at it from an angle. So it's a, it's a good, good solid screen. Um, face ID seems exactly the same to me. Um, yeah, that seems to be the consensus. Yeah. Yeah, I actually seemed to notice a little bit of an improvement on my 10s going from iOS 12 to 13, but then noticed no difference between my 10s on iOS 13 versus uh, the iPhone 11 Pro Max on um, on iOS 13. So that that seems to be exactly the same. I don't notice a difference in speed, and I also don't notice a difference with the angles that it works at. So. There seems to be a reason why that was just on a slide and not not demoed on stage because I don't I don't think there's a lot there. Damn. Um okay. So that's that's kind of the the mostly positive stuff. Well, no, hold, hold on. One one last thing. <clears throat> uh the other highlight of this phone generation seems to be um battery life. With a a weekend, how do you feel about that? It's lost on me. Because I'm just never, um, I was actually thinking about this as I read a lot more of the reviews. Um, I am, I'm at a charger a lot, especially during the week. So I think there it's particularly lost on me. But then even I feel like on days where like I'm out and about, I don't know. I just, I, battery life has never been like an issue for me, or at least not since like, I don't know, the very early days of the iPhone. And I don't know if that's a sign that I maybe just use my phone less than a lot of people or what, but um I've just I've never I've never really I've never really thought about my iPhone battery, to be honest. Like I can't remember the last time I can't even remember the last time I like was in that power save mode that it tries to go into when it hits like twenty percent or whatever. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> It's like saying, like, like honestly, like I don't, I don't know what. Never, never mind. That's a bad analogy. But yeah, but that, that is a very nice problem to have. I would say it's very privileged. You, you have charger privilege. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have charger privilege, and I guess like most of the time when I'm not around the charger is during a time where like I also probably just shouldn't be on my phone. Well, and that's the thing where you're, you're. I think you're better than most, and also way, way better than me at uh, not using your phone. You don't, you don't, you don't necessarily use your phone as a crutch to avoid talking to other people. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right, to round it out, uh, before we start talking about the watch, uh, you, the, so the internet or the people seem to be mad about this first party Apple clear case, uh, for different reasons. Um, so yeah, yours, is, is it just that it's too rigid on the buttons? What's, 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 what's your anger about? So yeah, so I we made a joke on the show last week that I actually got the case like a week before the phone. And I was really excited about having that on day one. I had never had a clear case before. Um, seemed like the perfect way to show off my fancy midnight green phone. And, you know, given that it was a first party Apple case and most of their other cases, like the leather cases they have, 
and stuff usually are, are really solid. I thought, this is going to be great. It, it, it's, it's so bad. I don't even know where to start. And I, I like knew it right away. It was like the second I put it on my phone on Friday, I was just instantly like, oh no, this is, this is bad. So the, the consensus take is that it actually makes the phone in some ways feel even more slippery than it does without a case. And I can, I can attest to how slippery the phone feels without a case because I did, I did try to go without a case uh, over the weekend when I was becoming really unhappy with the iPhone clear case. And, you know, I, you know, Carlos, I went quite a number of years without having a case on my phone. I don't see how there's any way you could do that with these phones. <laughs> I mean, they're just, they're too damn slippery. Well, and, and a quick, a super quick, put a pin on that. Like I, I, I had the illusion that the matte finish on the back would actually somehow be grippier. It's 1 million percent not. No, like, it, do, not. it doesn't get, um, you know how like the glass back kind of, at least like with some, a little bit of, like, uh, just like finger oils and grease kind of gets a little bit tackier sort of the matte finish does not get that way. So it, Gruber made this analogy, and I think it's a good one. It feels and looks a lot like the trackpad on modern Macs. Yeah. Um, including the fact that, you know, those have kind of a somewhat slick feel to them, which on a trackpad is kind of what you want. But on a phone, not really what you want. Um, but anyway, so the, the the hot take everybody's had or the consensus take everybody's had. Is I have a hot take on the brain because it's so damn hot outside. <laughs> Um, is that it actually the case makes the phone phone feel even more slippery. That was not my experience. I actually had no issue with that. I actually thought that the um iPhone clear case had enough like tackiness to it. That was fine. And I'm speaking about this in the past tense because I returned that case today, which we'll maybe get back to here in a minute. Um my issues with it were sort of three things. The primary one was what you mentioned, which is, and I don't know why I haven't seen this out there in more places. I've seen it in a couple of user reviews, but I haven't seen it out there in like any big name reviews. So I don't know if it's, maybe it was even like a defective batch or something. I don't know, but it made the side buttons completely unusable. Like to the point where in order to use, you know, the side button to turn the screen off, I couldn't do that with one hand. Like I literally had to hold the phone with two hands so that there'd be enough pressure on the opposite side of the phone and then press the button down with my other hand. It was so bad. And I, and I tried to take the phone out of the case and put it back in in case I just didn't seat it in there correctly or something. But that was, I mean, that was a deal breaker almost just by itself. But then the other two things were it's a really thick case. It just adds a ton of bulk to the phone. Um, and it's also really, really shiny where the edges in particular, you basically like, you basically can't even see the edges of the phone. Like you basically can't even tell the edges are black because there's just so much light shining off of them that it just looks like there's almost like you know those like LED strips that they have, especially like in like under cabinet lighting and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like that. So it was just it was an awful, awful case. Um, and so I, 
you know, I, I took it off the phone after a couple of days and I tried, I tried a day to go caseless and that, <laughs> that was also not great. Um, and so I actually had two, so I, I today was like my, my last day to return that Apple one. So I returned oh, yeah, that. You got it a week early. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was like 40 bucks. So like, you know, it wasn't one of those things where I was going to, you know, sit on it. Like I just, I wanted just to get rid of it. Um, but I had two, two new cases from Amazon arrived today, like literally just a couple of hours ago. So what we can talk more on those next week. Um, but the, so, the, so neither have reached chef special level of satisfaction. I've only, so I, I've, I've only tried one and I, I actually don't even think I'm going to open the other one. Cause I think that, I think this first one Ooh. is, is exactly what I want. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll leave that as a teaser for next week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that iPhone clear case is just uh, utter garbage. It's, it's unbelievable how bad that case is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Apple doesn't ever ship anything that's bad. <laughs> you mean it's, it's like they they uh, they released iOS thirteen and it was polished. It was Boy, that's the other thing is um, so thirteen point one as hell. Uh-huh. Yeah, thirteen point one came out a week early. Came out yesterday. Seems to be better from what I can tell. Um, I haven't had my the camera app crash, which was happening about 40 percent of the time in ios 13 uh so so that's good um but it's only been a day so we'll see yeah but it's okay so i want i want i want to hear you also that wasn't the only thing you think you got so you got a watch that you probably love because it's a flawless product i think we're going to be somewhat aligned on this i I think where you're going to go with this is going to mirror a lot of how i feel about it too all right so There's, there's, there was a new watch that that's not very different from the old watch. Uh, it's a Series Five, where the only differences about it are that it um, uh, has a compass. Uh, so Boy Scouts, be be prepared. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, is that is that a separate app? Who, who even knows? Because um, I, 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 I don't even know how to get to the compass. Uh, oh, it is. It, it it is a separate app. I'm opening it for the first time here. Do you use uh, when you click the digital crown? You know the 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 hub, the revolutionary. It's like the click wheel. <laughs> Somebody uh, on Twitter brought up a thing where remember remember uh, digital touch and like the the six friend wheel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny how they thought that product would really be. for a company that generally doesn't have a lot of like super strong misses on how they think a product is going to be received and used. Wow, version one of the watch was bad. The, the Apple the Apple Watch came out a year too early. It and it, it shows it shows what the hardware they shipped and it shows what they thought the product was going to be. I think if they waited another year, gave the hardware another year to improve, and did like another year worth of user testing, I think they they would have figured that stuff out. Yeah, poor Darth is still using a Series Zero. Mm. Um, well, let's let's raise it. Let's do a Kickstarter for the Panda. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, if I remember sometime this week, I'll send you my heartbeat. I'll see if that's still in WatchOS 6 or if they finally deleted that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, so yeah, the, the new, the series, series five and series four are exactly the same, except they added a compass. Um, it has a, uh, quote unquote, always on display and, uh, using big air quotes on that. Uh, and then what was the third thing? There's one other thing. It, it has, 
better radio bands maybe, but there was one other feature where it was verifiably different. Or is it literally just the compass and the list screen? I think it's just those two things. And there's and there's the new materials. I mean, I think those. Oh were kind well, of yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't think the titanium looks very good. I don't either. Yeah, like, I know. Like the ceramic, I, I'm I'm on board with Mike's thing. Where like if I had the money, like because I like my splurging is the fact that I'm willing to get a steel. Um, and normally I would wait every two or three generations. But again, because I was so psyched, um, about the always on display, I'm willing to advance that a little bit. So that's where I'm willing to spend. The extra two fifty or three hundred on the steel one, but the ceramic is too much. But yeah, but the titanium, I don't, I don't love it. I feel like it, it looks too much like the aluminum, and but in a lot of ways, it looks worse. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's always on screen. Um, it's it's not it's not really an always on the screen. Oh, oh hell no, it's not. So here's the, I have multiple problems with this. I my, my problems are twofold. One, it's how the always-on-screen works, and it's also the battery life impact of the always-on-screen. Because last night, I don't know, I forgot what I was doing, or maybe I was I, maybe I was reading Super Pumped, I forget. But I fell asleep on the couch, uh, which is something <laughs> I don't do very often. And it's, again, as a, you're, you're a married person, I'm a single person, so I have no accountability for when or how I go to bed. Um, whereas you, if you fall asleep on the couch, I assume at 1.30 you'll, you'll get an angry, like or not angry, but you, you will somehow be uh, moved to here. Yes, I think I think that's correct. Um, Where uh, that that doesn't happen much for me because I think once you turn this is this I'm not sure if this is my own theory, but once you turn 25, you generally um, something that you don't think about like during your college years, you will start getting ready for bed. Where that's not a thought you have when you're 19. Uh, But I forget, like I I don't know if I I was listening to a podcast or if I was reading a book or whatever. But I I fell asleep on the couch, so I wake up this morning at 8 a.m. And I just because I've been having a habit of it, I've been just checking because I'm like, what is the battery life impact of this always on screen? And I looked at the battery indicator. It was at 12 percent. And I know it's supposed to be like a charge every night kind of device, but I guess maybe I was spoiled by the fact that the Series 4 was just so damn good where I could like go for a run, use GPS on the watch, do stuff on it. And I would get home and it was still and it's like 10 o'clock and it's still at 60 percent. I'll be like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, not the case anymore at all. I did not use, I have not, I've been very lazy. I have not used, done a workout on this new watch at all. And like even right now, um, I'm at 35%. I was going to say, yeah, I, so I'm at, um, so well, t- today's been like a typical day where I, you know, went for a short run this morning and then, um, you know, was at work for the day. Um, you know, used my watch, what I would consider, you know, basically like a regular amount kind of off and on through the day. And it would normally be like at this time of night, I would still be probably at around like, yeah, 50, 60% battery life. Yeah. I'm at 24% right now. And also, I don't know if it charges slower, but yeah, that was the thing where like, I'm like, oh shit, I got to charge this thing. Cause I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta do stuff. So I was bummed that I was missing out. Like as I was doing like my morning routine and I was moving around, I was, I was, this, that was all wasted time. It was not getting logged in any digital silo but um yeah i left charging for like an hour and a half and it only got up to like 90 like i don't know it felt like a charge slow as well i think well i think i think the ifixit teardown revealed that in addition to the new screen which of course is what they talked about a bunch on stage it also has a slightly bigger battery which i don't think they explicitly mentioned so it would make sense that it charges a bit slower because it's the same same battery life you know in in air quotes but it's a bigger battery so it's gonna take longer to charge so, yeah, but the always on screen, I, I, 
it's not it's not an always on the screen it's it's this is the this is the edge to edge screen marketing thing of the iphone brought to apple watch i remember when i think it was jesse char or somebody but like when when uh, the iphone 10 came out and or maybe it was casey johnston where uh, they were like this is this is an edge-to-edge screen just like you could land a 747 on that bezel <laughs> like you who the fuck are you fooling like it's fine like it's cool like, like if you were to say edge-to-edge screen like look at the samsung note 10 i'm not trying to say samsung's software quality is amazing or whatever but that is an edge-to-edge screen even on the iphone 11 pro still a dumb name um it is not an edge-to-edge screen it has the exact same large bezels that the um that the 10 and 10s did yes but so the always on screen i have a complaint and i and i think and and i know this is such this is one thousand percent like i know you need to you have your excess charger privilege um, I don't have that, but I think this would be very a very first world complainy conversation right now. But like, so I think we're in the same thing. We're generally long sleeve shirts uh, most days. Yes. Yeah. I my biggest complaint about the always on screen is that this doesn't happen as much with t shirts. But if you have a a long sleeve shirt where generally the watch um its ambient light sensors are it, covered, it, it turns it turns off. It doesn't turn off, but it it cranks the brightness so oh, well, far it, it, down. It looks it looks like it's off because I yeah I, I took Branson for a walk the other morning and I had a long sleeve like sweatshirt on, and a couple times I went to look at my watch and like when I first glanced at it I'm like, what the hell the screen is off I thought that, I thought that was the whole thing with this watch is the screen doesn't turn off it is it is just super super dim and that bugs me because one I'm somebody who and again maybe this is why I have poor battery life I. A- a- again, as a GTD guru, as as my mm. overdue count consistently will tell everybody is that I'm on it all the time. I use timers a lot. I find that uh, generally I'm not a fall asleep on the t- couch type of person, but I will um, – timers help keep me in check with wondering, one, if I'm spending too much time on a task or if I'm losing focus when I need to be doing something else. Um but yeah, so the always on screen, it just, if you have a long sleeve shirt on or something's covering up the ambient light sensors, it doesn't turn off, but it gets very, very, very dim. And because of that, it takes some time. Like, so sure with the always on display, you don't have to do kind of an exaggerated, like raise your wrist motion to ensure that it comes on, but you do have to maybe be more explicit about like pulling back your sleeve a tiny bit. And because the watch tries to do that cutesy thing where it kind of like zooms into itself by like 15%. Like it's the, the, that animation and the screen raising from it's like low power, like one Hertz mode or whatever it is. Like it in a lot of ways feels worse than the old watch because the time from like checking the time to like getting a usable watch again actually feels like a half second slower than it always was. 100%. It feels a half second slower and it feels like it takes a little bit longer. Like it feels like it takes more of an effort to like get it to snap into that truly on mode. Yes, absolutely. Because it feels like the tolerances before where they were like, oh, well, we want maybe we'll err on the side of waking up earlier. And now it doesn't do that where it thinks like, hey, the person can probably see it because it's always on. And if they need it, they'll maybe like it'll work itself out. Exactly. It doesn't work itself out. Nope. Um, and it, and the part for me is because, yeah, I, I use timers so much, and I also use my watch as an iTunes remote for, like, podcasts and stuff a lot. And I actually think this part's clever. But, like, if you have a timer set right now, and let's just uh, – I do you have a timer as one of your complications? 
I do, and I actually uh, tried this earlier today. So it's like, so I just set a five minute timer, and if I kind of turn my wrist away and I'll wait ten seconds for it to go dim. I actually think it's kind of smart where because it's now in the low power mode, instead of saying like four minutes forty six seconds, it'll just say four minutes. Right. So that like it 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 it's able to cheat a little bit on the intervals at which the screen is refreshing. But then the problem with that is one, you have to be more exaggerated for it to kind of wake up. And you have that half second delay for it to kind of be like, okay, I'm in on mode again. But then I don't know why, but it feels like when you go back to the timer, like especially, oh, and that's the other thing. When a timer goes off on your wrist, the watch doesn't wake up. Like it starts vibrating, but it still can be in the screen off mode. So then you have to wake it up again. And then there's this half second delayed response for it to wake up. But also the timer app is no longer ready for you. So it then there's another half second that the watch goes from saying like nine minutes, 42 seconds, which is the last time it ever displayed information on the screen about the status of the timer. And then it goes to timer done. I don't know why, but it, that because I use that so frequently, it drives me nuts. I don't like I know this sounds so complaining, like the, the, that I'm complaining about fractions of a second. But for something that you use 50 to 150 times a day, like it's super annoying. Well, so I think maybe why you're so frustrated, or at least this has kind of been why I've been a little disappointed in the first few days with it, is when when Apple said an always on display, I think there was a certain expectation I had in my mind, which is, you know, it would be an always on display. Like it would basically just be like, no matter what the orientation of the watch is, and no matter how long it had been since I touched it, it would the screen would basically just be in the same state. No matter what. And yeah, maybe, you know, the it would dim itself if it felt like I wasn't looking at it or whatever. Um, or the you know, as they said on stage, like the refresh rate would go down. Um but in practice, the watch really hasn't changed at all. Like it it really still it still has two very different states it can be in. It can be kind of like in an active state or an inactive state. Yep. And I think for exactly the reasons you've just described, in some ways, the inactive state is actually worse than the screen just shutting itself off. Yeah, because before, whenever the screen was off, like it seemed like once it woke back up, it was ready to go. Like it was it was accepting your input and sometimes it might turn on when you didn't want it to. And sometimes you might have to give it a tap to do it, but it felt like that delay between uh, like it was, it was way clearer of what the off state was and what the on state was. And now kind of they're trying to blend it and it's not really there. So what I'm really curious about is because I think you're right that Apple previously when the screen turned itself off and they had all of this extra uh, battery life headroom. I do. I think you're exactly right where they probably lean towards the side of like, well, even if we think that the person might possibly be wanting to look at their watch, go ahead and turn the screen on. Whereas now the watch is a lot more conservative with that because, hey, the screen is always in air quotes on. And oh, by the way, we don't have quite as much wiggle room with the battery anymore. Um, so I kind of wonder if you know, and watch OS like 6.1 or 6.2, whatever. If we'll see improvements to this, like if, if Apple feels like they do have ways to improve it with not diminishing battery life too much further. Um, so they, they kind of just need to optimize it basically, 
or I do wonder if it's the case that they truly are basically battery constrained and the experience we have now is just kind of just what we're going to have with series five. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. And I keep debating whether to turn off the always on display because it is a feature you can make it like a series four. But then really, what was the point? Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be bad. And and I already sold my series four to somebody else. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I don't know. And, and I guess like in my again, if you, the but maybe again is maybe it's somewhere wearing too many long sleeve shirts because so, I have got a couple of days around we work from home and, and doing other stuff so maybe I'm gonna be in, in, in also it's definitely short sleeve weather recently although it's supposed to be cooler tomorrow um maybe I'll try to examine more if once the ambient light sensors are able to kind of like where it doesn't think it's in a pitch black room because it's kind of what I'm sure that's how a watch feels when it's all alone under under <laughs> under a shirt sleeve um. Like maybe it's different and it'll be less annoying if I'm consistent. Like and even though that doesn't necessarily solve the problem, but I don't know why I would feel slightly better if it was if it sucked less with a short sleeve shirt on. I don't know because yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not overall quite as down on it as you are, but I I definitely would describe myself as being a little disappointed. Well, because this is the only difference. Like I'm not going to use the compass. This is literally the only difference. Like I was very, very happy with my series four. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, what was the other quick thing? So yeah, the battery life, that's a bummer. But then also the thing is like, I haven't done any like workouts where it was engaging the, um, any of like the power hungry heart rate sensors and stuff. So that's where my skepticism and, and concern about the battery, where sometimes like in a pinch, if I had forgotten to charge it, like I could make it through a second day. That is 100% not happening with this watch. Oh, no. At all. De- definitely not. Um, so that's a bummer where, like, what happens if I decide to go for, like, an hour and a half run or something? Like, do am I just going to be dead at 10 o'clock? Like, I've, uh, my phone not, la- or my watch not lasting a day has not been a concern I've had since Series Zero. And even then, that was more of a, it's new and actually, I just need to trust it and it would have been fine. Well, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I had, like, you know, I went on, like, uh, three mile run this morning used the watch fairly regularly through the day um also then went on a walk with the dog this evening um and i'm I'm at you know 24 percent at 11 o'clock at night so you can you can do it there's not nearly as much wiggle room as there used to be but but i'm young and cool and i should be going to raves at 2 a.m like there's stuff that (laughs) like what happens if i become a night owl um yeah so that's that's mostly it so it's just it's a bummer where the one marquee feature seems like there's a whole ton of asterisks with it um and i don't know like i just haven't heard any of that in any of the reviews so i just don't know if i'm just being overly demanding or is this just something you don't find out until you live with it for a week or what the deal is well let me ask you a question what what was like the the last truly negative apple review you can remember from any of the like kind of big name T word journalists. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not, I understand your point. No, but I, I, I'm just, I'm not even, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. You said, in you said iPhone like, review or Apple device review. I would say like Apple device review. I think many people get a shot on the home pod as it should have been that. Okay. That's fair. That's, that's, and, a, but, I, but I, I get where that, I get where you're saying of like a product Apple intends to sell a lot of. If So if we narrow this to iPhone and Apple watch, other than maybe like Joanna Stern being disappointed with iPhone battery life, although because well, somebody mean, used been, to be, uh, but like outside of that, like I'm, I'm serious, like like point me to 
like the negative mainstream iPhone review. Well, but the, because the iPhone's not that bad of a product. I mean, I guess that's the thing where the watch kept, and I, and I, I, I know I have very specific like things, but I think like, I mean, the watch has never gotten worse. I mean, I, I think maybe this generation sort of, but that's also something that like, I think most people who aren't as picky wouldn't care. Like, so I honestly think like it is a product probably has gotten better. And I don't think there's ever been a bad iPhone. Like, yeah. Like, what are they going to do? Like, I think The Verge always accurately says, oh, well, no, the Pixel's bad. The Pixel's camera's better, which it has been. But, like, no, like, the XS was never a bad phone. I just, like, I mean, like, my pickiness about Face ID is just kind of, like, really, really specific of, like, the cases in which I feel like it doesn't work for me because I'm somebody who doesn't have, a like, a simple PIN code, passcode. So, I like, I, I get your point. But I think, like, even the not Rene Richie's of the uh, I don't mean, not that I don't mean to pick on him, but I also kind of do mean to because, yeah. I don't know, man. Anyway. Um, and also because it, it, it the other part that's a bummer is like that it, 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 it literally, if I turn off the always on display, it is literally the same product I bought a year ago. It is. Same processor, same everything. Although to me, you know, staying on, um, like the trend of, uh, nice screens and how I, I do really like the screen on my iPhone 11 Pro Max. May, I, maybe it's just a total optical illusion, but I do feel like the display on the Series 5 looks a little nicer. It's not. Or uh, or it, maybe it's a watchOS 6 thing. I, it I, could also just be because I think, I think it doesn't it have like a better ambient light sensor than previous versions have. So maybe it's just responding better to ambient light. In my case, it has a worse one. I like, I mean, so maybe, but because mine basically has the screen always off, um, or so hard to read that, yeah, I, I amp, the ambient light sensor is currently my nemesis. Hmm. Uh, I think there was one other thing with this. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is just general Apple Watch complaining stuff, but um, uh, I, I just, I, I, Apple's pushing for their own services where I forgot, like, and and I understand why it is the case, and you, and you kind of brought up the same point where Apple Pay. Like, I get that you have to kind of re-register your cards. And if you were just able to restore an iCloud backup and all your credit card info came back with it, that seems like maybe that's... The convenience would be greatly outweighed with the um, uh, institutional risk of that. But it's a bummer when you go set up your watch and you realize it's not actually set up with Apple Pay. And then the first thing it shows you is, hey, go use Apple as your bank and go sign up for an Apple card, whether it be Apple Pay Cash or Apple Card proper. So that's annoying. It's just a lot of parts of the user experience where you can tell like that just like the radio app and the music app and all these apps are basically f- designed to funnel you into the Apple um, services ecosystem versus whatever from like a UI design perspective or a UX perspective, what the user actually is most likely to want to do. And a lot of times that's not going to be whatever Apple wants you to do. One other quick um, setup thing that I forgot to mention earlier um, and I, I also don't think there's really anything Apple can necessarily do to control this, similar to how they they can't really control the fact that you have to reset up your uh, credit cards after you restore your phone. Lo- like login information on apps is totally like random. Like when you restore from an iCloud backup, and I assume it's the same from an iTunes backup, you remain logged in to some apps, but not other apps. And like literally, this is kind of the, the funny example I discovered over the last couple of days. If you look at the Pete's app and the Starbucks app, Pete's, I was still logged in. Starbucks, I was not. 
Well, yeah, it's because Pete's uh, Pete's doesn't care. <laughs> Pete, Pete's lives on the on the edge. So I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I assume it just comes down to how developers implement their login stacks or whatever. But I think it's a tokenization thing where certain things, like if you're using OAuth and that kind of stuff, that's a per device thing. Where yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the OAuth stuff I get, but like stuff that just has you know unique login information like it, it's literally just you know throwing darts at the board like whether an app is continue to be logged in after a restore or whether you have to enter your credentials again mm-hmm. uh yeah so anyway this, it's a bummer uh but we shall see if it gets any better i i'm really excited maybe tomorrow if it's not eight thousand degrees i'll try to go for a run and i'll try to wake up at a reasonable hour and see i don't know let's see if i make it through a full day because i i don't know I'm i'm pessimistic right now um, what was the other thing? And and Watch OS six seems fine. Not not as bad as iOS thirteen for sure. Yeah, the one thing that I'm actually I think I like, but I'm not sure, is that the activity rings. Oh, actually, you know, like because I've been so negative, I want to say two cool things. Uh, one, uh, and this is not an attack on you, but I am so so it just like I'm I am prejudiced against big phones. I am so anti super bright multicolored uh, Apple Watch faces. And it's very cool now that um, you can do a lot of watch faces uh, where you can specify a color and it makes all the complications not like just like look like Times Square. I think that's really neat. No, you don't you don't like to have fun. That's fine. I th- I actually, you know, what? fair. True. <laughs> actually, quite true. But also, I just think like it's just. Yeah, it's not even the carrot weather thing, and I know, and I get why you like it because it, the information information density is actually solid. Like, I mean, or if that's the information you want, cool. But I just think it's just too much color. It's just uh, I I I like that's the reason why. And honestly, even though I tried a whole bunch of new watch faces, um, I'm still on just like modular, like the one that was from Series Zero, like the the, the infograph one. I don't I don't like it because the problem. Like, so do you use infograph compact? Which 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 one do you use? The the one that they introduced with series four, the the more information dense one. Yeah, but the problem I have with that one is that um the the like the big honking complication that you get on that one is it's a very limited number of complications. Like like my beloved, uh, what time does the sunset and what city are you in? Which I know you uh, constantly mock. You're like like what Ridic- like these are the most obvious. <laughs> it's the most useful one possible. On mine again. Activity in the upper left corner, time, sunset, and your location. <laughs> Calendar, OmniFocus, timer. It is the best watch face in in in, in, in your language. Come at me, bro. Like I, I I will fight anybody who complains. Yeah, you can you can get carrot weather out of here. The temperature does not vary that much that you need to see that it's going to be sixty seven degrees versus seventy one degrees. You know what else doesn't vary a lot? Your your location. <laughs> Huh? It does. How do I how do I know if I've crossed into the mean streets of Larkspur? I don't know. <laughs> Show title. There we go. Oh man. The the your location and the sunset time. Get out Dude, of here. No, hold on. I, I, I will defend this to the day I because I like the ability to be like, it's six forty five. How many more minutes of sun sunlight do I have where I can go for a walk and not have it be like soup? Like I, I, I think that's nice seeing the weather and like how the temperature in a microclimate is going to change but two degrees hour by hour 
And if the sun, if the, sorry, the sun doesn't make the wind go, well, it kind of does. If, if the wind is blowing 11 miles per hour north, northeast, like that's, I think that's a level of detail that's not necessary. Like if it's hot outside, I know it's hot. Like, yeah, you know what else? I know no, what location. No, you don't, you don't. <laughs> it's not even the location. It's mostly the sunset. I like being able to be uh, being told right now that the sun is going to rise at 7.01 a.m., which is in seven hours and 48 minutes. I think that's very useful. It's just strange because I'll give you credit here. Like you are, you're right about most things on this show. (laughs) What's coming next? You're just so wrong about this. I'm not. For the love of God, I know we don't we do this once a year, but I'm going to include a a a screenshot. Your watch face is the worst. (laughs) I like objectively, like I think your watch face looks like an Android phone. Oh, ow! (laughs) With all due respect, sir, that's harsh. Um. Oh, Kara Weather. Oh, I'm still in love with Hello. What was it called? Hello Weather. I don't know. Yeah, the the the. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the meat bag thing. You can turn that off. Anyway, is there anything else? Oh, Apple's gonna try to make MacBooks with even thinner keyboards. Get yeah, out we gotta. We no, gotta, no, we're we we're, we're not. We're not. Save that stuff. We're not. Um, there was one. Okay, super super. Well, actually, no. This this will be my chef special. So never mind. We're good. Okay. I was yeah, gonna talk good. about um Goose Game, but spoiler. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what are you happy about? So I've, um, this is more of like a, a tip and it's a very, <laughs> it's a very niche tip. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this, uh, in the, the thing for you. And I'll also put this in the notes. So my, <laughs> my Sonos KB article. Okay. <laughs> my beloved Sonos setup. So I've got three Sonuses, Sonai in the house. Um, and the one problem I've always had is they've never worked super well with a mesh network. Like if I'm doing AirPlay or something like that, um, I would get instances of where audio would cut out or stop streaming to one speaker if I was doing like a multi-speaker setup. It just was never as reliable as I wanted it to be. Um, so. The other day when I was experiencing some issues, I thought there's got to be a way to just like hardwire these things, right? Because they they all have Ethernet ports on the back of them. Um, And it turns out that there is a way to hardwire your Sonos setup. And that's what this article that'll be in the notes describes. But the way they do it's actually really clever and not what I was expecting. So basically you hardwire one of your sono speakers it can be could be any of them and then what that does is it actually creates kind of like a separate local wireless network between all of your sonos devices that then communicate through the speaker that's plugged in via ethernet to your network Um, and ever since making this change the setup has been like just rock solid wait say that again so you're saying you can have one wired up and then there's a separate network being broadcast by like one master sonos and that's the other ones yes that's neat cool i know and it's it's crazy because like when i look in my google wi-fi app they still show up as like three separate devices just like they always have oh so like the the main one becomes like its own ad hoc access point exactly yeah yeah and it's you know i I don't know if I don't know if that wireless signal that it that it broadcasts is stronger or if it's just, you know, catered specifically for the needs of Sonos hardware, but 
it's it's much more reliable than having this mesh network setup is. And it it's not a Wi-Fi issue because literally the three Sonos devices that I have are all three of them are literally right next to the uh three Google Wi-Fi <laughs> spots that I have or boxes or whatever you call them. So it's not a it's not a Wi-Fi issue or like a signal strength issue. It just was something to do with the the mesh setup that the Sonos was not not jiving with. Um, but this hardwired setup, um, which I was expecting to have to hardwire all three Sonos devices, which would have been fine. Like that would have been very doable, but being able to set this up and only having to plug one in is even neater. So I've been, been really happy with that. Yeah. I think you benefit from like, because it, so in that case, it sounds like you don't actually need a mesh network or like, at least because like all three Sonos um, can talk to one base unit. Does that make sense? Like they're all within a range enough where technically a single AP would have worked. That's that's neat. Where I think most a lot of people, if you had like a big three story house, that would not be have been the case. I think the issue, yeah, is probably that our house doesn't really need three access points, and the Sonos devices were were probably bouncing around between them, and that was causing an issue. That would be my guess. Um, but now that that's taken out of the equation, um. Yeah, they've been been really solid. Cool. All right, so I got I got two picks. Um, both of these are kind of in progress picks because uh, I haven't finished either of them. Uh, first one, I don't think we've talked about it officially as an on the record pick, but uh, super pumped by Mike Isaac is a, a great book that I'm about halfway through. Um, if you've been listening to the show for any period of time, you know about our relationship with the Cactus Company and kind of following the ups and downs, many of which were reported by him. Uh, it's a great book. It's like, it's like 15 bucks on the Kindle store. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's got a good voice in it. He, I think he matches and I think he got knocked in the book reviews for maybe matching the tone of his subject, uh, which I think for this particular story, Ashley, it works really well. So that, that's, that's a pick. Have you, or should we just edit this out? I have it on my Kindle, but I have not started reading it. That's okay. All right, and then my second pick is also something that I've been excited for uh, for for a while, uh, which is uh, from the video game makers House House and uh, software developers Panic. Uh, Untitled Goose Game is now out. As somebody who hates video games, I think this is very fun. And even though I am very bad at this game, uh, because apparently I don't know why I thought it would not require skill or strategy. Like I, I just thought it would be kind of like a just hey, just hang out and do fun stuff type thing it actually requires some thought and i'm apparently was not prepared to expend that on this game but yeah it's it's super fun the the graphics are very very nice um the epic game store that you have to buy it through seems way less bad than steam like it, it's actually retina where steam for the mac i think probably still isn't um it's only 15 dollars during the launch event and yeah, it's, it's, it's a game with a ton of charm. It's got cool music. It's got, um, it's, it's, it's really fun. And even though I'm, I haven't made it past the first, uh, garden or like challenge, it's still cool. And I like it a whole bunch. I totally, I totally forgot that this was published by Panic. Yeah. That's the whole thing where they, they also, uh, were the distributor slash publisher of, uh, Firewatch, another game I didn't finish. Uh, I went through like half of it. So yeah, so it's 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 very neat. Um, and if you're not already following C uh, Cable Sasser on Twitter, he's been retweeting and sharing a whole bunch of stuff about people who are excited about playing the game. And I don't know, it's just it's it's such a not like there's no 
there's no downside or there's no, there's like very little way to be critical about this thing and where it's not just like just fun. And that's why, even though like I keep in the back of my head, kind of want to buy, is it called the switch light? Mm -hmm. I keep wanting to kind of buy it, but then I talk, like I talk myself out of it because I would never use it, but it feels like just one of those games where it just, yeah, it's, it's fun and innocent. Yeah. And it is available on the PC, Mac and switch. Yes.